want to welcome you today to Empowering Pastors Leadership Training. Um, it's been very exciting. We had the last three, two, actually, I think it's been two weeks to be our third week on Team of Teams. This is a, a phenomenal teaching if you're going to be able to grow your church or grow your business. Because either way, you've got to be able to build teams. If you can't build teams, then it's just you. There's nothing wrong with just you. I remember talking to an individual once who was at the precipice of having to make a, the decision of, will I go from a small business to a large business? And I spoke with them and I said, well, that means you're going to have to hire help. You're going to have to do this. You mean I'm going to have to, like, manage people? And I said, yes. He goes, I'll stay small. And he did. He did exactly that for his entire, his entire business of 40 years. It was mainly just him. And every once in a while, he'd hire somebody else. He made a living, but he, could, he didn't make what he could have made. He didn't accomplish what he could have accomplished. There is no way that you and I can do what we need to do properly as significant leaders to produce a significant result without generating followers, without generating, developing, maturing teams. So every one of us are responsible to develop teams. Now last week we went over some of the basics, and that was you're either going to have deep roots or you're going to have shallow roots. The shallow roots are those that um, are, are literally like a pine tree that is mainly just you, you and a few fragments. Nothing solid, nothing that's going to bring any depth to your company or to your ministry or to your, uh, or to your department. But if you're going to be a deep-rooted person, you've got to be able to see way past just you, see the next generation of leaders, and then see the next generation of leaders. You have to be at least seeing two to three generations to understand that that's what's going to bring deep roots to you, that's going to bring greater success to you, that's going to bring longevity to you. But it, many people want it now. I've talked to some pastors and they said, well, I, I want to do that, but it's going to take a long time, isn't it? Uh, yeah. But if you don't start today, don't worry about it. <laughs> You're never going to get it done. That's the problem. Everybody wants to start it and finish it today. How many of you know that Jesus didn't even do that? He didn't. We find here in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus called the disciples and uh, Jesus walked up while, let me see, 4.18, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. What were they? They weren't preachers. They were fishermen. They weren't leaders in the aspect of, well, we do know that Peter had at least three boats. But in this capacity, he was mainly fishing. His hands were on the plow. And Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, the father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left their boat, and they followed, and they followed him. So here we have the call of four disciples, not just disciples, four significant disciples that actually made the major impact in the New Testament. But here's something that is so important for us to grasp as leaders as we are making the decision whether, we gonna be, uh, whether we are going to be generational leaders or just shallow-rooted leaders. Now, if you're a denomination, many times shallow root is your best route to go. R-O-U-T-E. The reason for that is because 
If you're going to be like most denominational churches, you're going to be hopping from one church to the next church, more like a graduation, more like climbing the corporate ladder than that building a, a, a deep growth church that is going to last generations. But if you are going to be generational, we have to look at Christ. What did Christ do? He called these disciples, but then what did he do with them? Well, they were leaders of some capacity or he wouldn't have called them. Christ saw them in some capacity, and we know that he moved in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We know uh, that he saw, who was it? Was it Bartholomew underneath the tree? Who was underneath the tree? Underneath the fig tree. Wow, I thought so. Me too. And uh, No, I, no. I, and so anyways, he saw, you are a man with no guile. But mainly he saw in the Spirit. Well, some of us are going to see in the Spirit, but all of us have to be able to develop and choose leaders. But what Christ did when he chose these guys is he spent three plus years with them, day and night. You know what that means? They got his heartbeats. They got his understanding. They got his methodologies. They got his boot. Correction. They got all these things, but it didn't happen. Even though they were leaders, even though Christ the Messiah called them, it still took three years worth of training, and then after resurrection, he came back for how many more days? Forty days. And spent more time with them before he ascended on high and uh, sat at the right hand of the Father, and they stepped into the full-time leadership of the church. So many people want immediate gratification. Well, I want an immediate leader. I want someone to step in right now. Uh, so pastors many times, or leaders many times, will be very short-sighted in the factor of developing the generations. And they won't. They won't even start because they want it to happen fast. These things aren't fast. But if you never start, guess what? You're never going to go anywhere. And this is a serious issue. Some people have said to me also, I don't have time to train my leaders. Well, then you are a very insignificant leader. How do I know that? Because when you die, so does the vision. Significance, remember, means it goes beyond you. Heritage has to be passed. Legacy has to go beyond your, your breath and your lungs. If it's not, then it's a temporary or short-rooted type of leadership. So the philosophy of ministry is that of what Christ did. Christ knew he was going to die on the cross. He knew he was going to ascend on high. He knew these disciples had to take the reins of leadership as now going from disciples to be apostles. He, they had to be the ones to literally pierce the darkness. Well, that meant he had to spend large amounts of time with them. Leaders, one of the most important factors that you have is time. A lot of leaders look at me and when I tell them what I do with my staff, they, uh, they look at me because very few do it. Even large churches. In fact, I know some mega churches, they, they, the, the staff never meet the pastor. They're only with the executive pastor. Remember, whosever voice they're hearing is always louder than yours. If somebody else's voice is louder than yours, then so is their loyalty. I just want to make sure that seats a little bit. So here we have senior pastors of large, even mega churches do not spend any time with their staff. And if they don't time, spend time with their staff, then how can they pass on their heart? One of the greater things that you can give somebody is your heart. 
I've always learned this, is that most, most leaders, out of convenience, bring on leaders because of their potential. Never, ever, ever bring somebody on because of potential. Because if they never catch their, your heart, they're never going anywhere, and then they don't have skills. If you notice, Jesus, what did he say to these fishermen? I will make you fishers. These were professionals. These were wealthy men. These were successful business people. These weren't just fishermen. Like I said, when they did the study on Peter, they believe he had three medium-sized vessels. Which means he was a successful fisherman. We know that the sons of Zebedee, or the sons of thunder, they were successful. How do we know that? Because it was already generational. The father was on the boat mending, mending stuff with him. So we're looking at people that Christ chose. They were people that already had skill. When you and I are building teams, you have to learn how to build teams with people that are skilled. So again, we'll take Minister McKenzie. If Minister McKenzie could not sing, could not play some level of music, there is no way she would be the music director of his Tabernacle Family Church. Well, why? Well, she has a good heart. You can have a great heart, but if you don't have some level of skill, then really what you're doing mainly is you're developing their skill, but not their heart. If they have skill, you then can deposit the heart, which brings the message from their head to their spirit, and from their spirit can go into legacy. That's when you're developing deep roots. It can't be just a person that is skilled, because we've had people skilled here that have been on staff before, but they never grab the heart. Because they never grabbed the heart, it was a transition. Because it was a transition, they actually could not build a solid team. Why? Because it was always more about them. Anybody that's transitional is still all about them and not about the vision. You can tell me otherwise, I'll tell you right now, it is not true. Well, you know, Pastor, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just here for a little bit to learn and to grow. Yes, you are. So I'll never put you in a leadership spot. I'll never give you the ability to influence people. I'll give you the ability to participate at a level. But if I find you are transitional, I'm not keeping you, which means my investment level is less. Why would you invest in people that you know are leaving? You ever seen a bank do that? Did you see Jesus do that? Oh, yeah, with one guy. Because he knew Judas was going to betray him. So here we have the necessity to grab a hold. If you're going to build deep roots, you're going to have teams for increase or team of teams. It's not just you and I wanting to get a few people on our team. You've got to be wiser than that. And in the wise development of teams is means you have to be able to identify other leaders. I think I explained last week one of the very first things that I do Whenever I go into a room and I'm looking for leaders, or let's just say I'm going into a room for the first time, 
If I'm going into a room uh, full of pastors or ministers, I remember I was uh, down at Brother Maldonado's. Anybody, I don't know if you know his ministry or not, but Brother Maldonado has, a, I believe, over 10,000 people in his church. And uh, my wife and I were invited down, and we were given an, the honor uh, after service to go back and eat with them. Well, it wasn't just them in the room. There were other ministers of great significant names. So if I said their names, you would know them. They're on TBN. They're on all, all the mega stuff. So the moment my wife and I walked in there, we went completely silent. Sat at the table they assigned us with. Talked very little. But I'm looking around the room. Who are the actual leaders in the room? Because just because they have a title don't mean they're a leader. We learned that as we sat at the table and all the pastor's wives are talking about all of the uh, antidepressant medications that they're on and uh, their, what their psychologist is telling them and teaching them and their counseling sessions after a decade. I remember them looking at Pastor Ron and saying, so, you know, uh, who's, who's your counselor? And, you know, my wife, she looked and said, Jesus. So just because they have prominent names, just because they look good, don't mean they're actual leaders. So I looked around the room, and you could identify the leaders because they were the ones that people were turning their heads towards at the table when people were talking. They were always looking for that person to, to I don't want to say justify, but to validate what was being spoken from the rest of the table. So the need for you and I, when we walk into a room, when we're looking for other leaders, is to look around and see who people are turning their head towards. People do not turn their head towards other followers. Even leaders follow. So that's why when I go into a room, I never speak. I look to whom I'm supposed to follow. Because... Personality-wise, you can have a great personality, and you can be magnetized, but it doesn't still mean you're a leader. But when you're a leader, followers automatically follow you. So we all follow somebody, and we're drawn to them, and we listen to them, and we listen for validation from them. Validation, whether it's you're, you're talking or somebody else is talking. So the identification of leaders so that you can build deep roots is the first thing is you have to make sure that they have the skills that you're after. Skills are very important. Why? Well, skill means what? Skill is the ability, or whether it be natural or taught, the capability of accomplishing a task. Skills have levels. You don't want a podiatrist doing brain surgery. Not because they're not doctors, but because their skill sets are different. 
So one of the very first things you do is you've got to identify the skills you want. In a leader. What skill are you looking for? We talked about this last week. We touched on it, the factor of you should be always filling your weaknesses. So if I'm very evangelistic, then I know I need to find somebody who's, number one, administrative. That's probably going to be one of my very first hires because if I'm evangelistic and very uh, visionary, I'm probably a little bit more scatterbrained. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not passionate, you're not focused, but you're always looking long-term, not short-term. You're always looking at the bridge completed, not the next piece of metal that needs to be put in. Your administrator is the one that's going to make the vision occur. So the very first one I would hire, or did hire, was that of an administrator. The second person I hired, or skill I was looking for, was an individual that was filled with mercy. Why? Because I need somebody who can, because I'm more evangelistic, I'm not really compassionate as much, I'm not overwhelmingly merciful all the time. I'm, listen, you don't know me then, you know me now. 23 years ago, uh, mercy was short. Compassion was very little. That's your problem. Oh, you got an issue? Figure it out. What about your maid? Don't let the door hit you on the way out, rather than trying to retain them. So the first person I always brought on, because I know my strengths, was I brought on an admin. Number two, I brought on a person of mercy who was called to ministry. Because just because you have the skill don't mean you got the call. So when I'm looking for somebody who's administrative, they must have administrative skills. How do I know somebody having administrative skills? Well, I talk to them. And I ask them a question. I'll usually say, so what did you do yesterday? That's my very first question to all people I'm questioning whether you're an administrator or not. Why? Because I can tell from that answer whether or not you're an administrator. How is that possible? Because as an administrator, it is going to be a very stinking long conversation. What do you mean? Well, I got up in the morning. It was 6.29 a.m. And you know, you know that I, I went in and my feet were a little like sore getting out of bed that day. And I went potty, you know. And, you know, I like the two-ply, not the one-ply. And, 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 and then, I mean, the conversation is forever long because they're telling you every detail of the day. I mean, I subject myself to this torture because I need to know if you're an administrator. Do I have any administrators can identify with what I'm talking about? Very good. So that's the way I start finding out if somebody's an administrator. If you're not an administrator, this is what you're going to do. Yeah, you know, got to work today. Yeah, I don't know, kind of hungry, I guess. Not an administrator. 
So I'm looking for skills. You've got to be able to identify the skills you want. And as an administrator, that's what I'm looking for. But just because they have the skill doesn't mean they have the grace. What does that mean? What well, remind you what grace means? Grace means power. I remember one time I hired a secretary, and she was the secretary of the church. And she was a great lady. I mean, really, a great lady. And uh, she actually stopped coming to the church because I hired her as a secretary. When you hire somebody out of their grace, they can't handle it, and they leave. So that's why you got to make sure that you're not sacrificing somebody to get their abilities. Is that all right? So this woman came in, and as a church secretary, you're hearing stuff that most people aren't hearing. You're hearing not only the good parts about church, but you're hearing a lot of the bad things about church. You're seeing a lot of the bad personality traits of the ministry. And if you don't have the grace, you can be a great secretary but get a bad attitude because you weren't created to do that. So just because somebody has skill doesn't mean that they should be in that position of your team. So I then start testing them. I throw things at them, seeing their reactions. I hear my administrator laughing, uh, the prior administrator laughing. She uh, was tortured. And it was because I needed to know the capacity that she could take. Because the capacity that she could take would determine how long she's going to remain. So once you start identifying the needs you want in them, then start finding the skills you have in them, then you have to start testing whether they can handle the grace to be in that posture. You can have somebody who has phenomenal skill sets, but has a low EQ. Therefore, they'll go into depression. Now, for those who are watching online, I would encourage you to take an uh, emotional quotient assessment. You can go to my website, and that is empoweringpastors.com. And you, there's a, a link that says resources, assessment, and you should take the emotional quotient. Emotional quotient is different from the others. You have IQ, which determines your, your intellect. That doesn't usually change. You have your EQ, which is your emotional quotient. Your emotional quotient, just because you have a high IQ, don't mean that you're emotionally stable. EQ can change, can be matured, and also can be lowered. Then you have what we call an LQ, which is your leadership quotient, which is based off of the two priors. And then you have what is being developed right now being the SQ, or your spiritual quotient, because that plays a large part in the entire leadership process. Minister McKenzie, I'm, I'm gonna, do we have a microphone? Oh, we're going to grab a microphone. So I would encourage you to go to my website at empoweringpastors.com. You can take uh, the assessment, 
Um, I will then communicate with you and help you through the assessment so you understand what you did and where you stand and how to develop the skill set of becoming a greater leader. Yes. Um, so in your experience, do you think it's harder to teach skill or to teach people to have grace? Um, I, I demand the skill first. So it's not as much teaching skill. It's the grace you have to temper. If they're a, a true leader, then they want to grow in their skill. If they're a skilled person, but not called to that level leadership, you can't develop that portion. And you don't want to have to do it. You ever have micromanaged somebody? If you're a leader, one of the worst things you have to do is micromanage people. Why? Because in the micromanaging, you now have to take your attention away from the goals, finishing, finishing, the, uh, finishing the bridge. And now you have to go tell somebody, listen now, I know this is going on at your house. I know you're having problems, but I need you to pour concrete today. You don't want that. Then you're never going to get your bridge done. If they're a true leader, they have grace. But the only way for you to know they have grace is to test them. Put them under pressure. Give them something to do and don't follow up on them. That's my favorite one. One of my favorite tests I do with all leaders is I always give them something to accomplish and I don't follow through with them. Why? If they're not going to complete the task without me following through, I don't want them as one of my leaders. Because that means I'm constantly going to have to go after and badger them for what I need. And if I have, if I have 11 leaders, well, where's my day now? Gone. Where's my vision now? I don't have one. I might as well do it myself. So you've got to test your leaders. That means giving them a task, giving them something. If, you, if you're bringing on an administrator, give them a task to administrate and don't micromanage them. See if they'll follow through with it. If they follow through with it quickly, that's first stage. Because everyone loves to start strong. Oh, come on now. Everybody wants to start strong. I don't need a strong starter. I need a strong finisher. So I'll give them another one. Then I'll give them another one. Then I'll give them another one. And I won't follow up. After a while, their mentality is going to be, well, you know, I'll get to them when I can. Not one of my leaders. Why? Because that's how they're going to finish the race. I don't need somebody finishing weak. I need somebody finishing strong. And if they're going to be weak in the middle, they're never going to be strong at the end. That's good teaching right there. If I'm looking for a person to do another one of my weaknesses, which would be creating an environment 
of stabilization of family, then I need somebody with mercy that actually feels what other people feel, that actually cares what other, uh, uh, what other people care about. Now, that will be, and I'm going to couple that with the other motivational gift of leadership um, to where those two gifts need to work together because if you have somebody with mercy but they're not a leader, then what's going to end up happening is they're going to be always chasing the problems and never creating resolve. You need to be moved but not so moved that you're moved. So I don't know where you need and what you're looking for in a leader, but you all have to develop leadership teams if you're going to have deep root, deep root systems. So therefore, you have to ask yourself, what are my weaknesses and what are my strengths? I knew this one pastor. He was horrible with people. He was a great guy. One-on-one, -on -one phenomenal. Like, the dude caused so many of his own problems because when he got in a group, he said the dumbest things. So I looked at him one day and I said, listen, man, I'm, I'm your friend. I need, I need you to create a buffer between you and the people. He said, what do you mean? I love people. Exactly what I just said. What do you mean? I love people. Yeah. You're crass. You're too direct. You're too demanding. You're a jerk. So what happens is you can't keep people. So I said, you need a buffer. And I helped him find a buffer. We hired an individual that had leadership and mercy. And they went in and they were the buffer between the pastor and the people. And they loved the church again. Because the pastor, if they communicated, they were leaving. <laughs> but the mercy guy, who was my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law is Chad Mays. Chad Mays, for those who don't know, was a pastor, of, uh, was an assistant pastor of a church. And the man he worked under was a friend of mine. But the friend of mine was crass, was that guy. Chad went on that job. Chad took on that ministry. And he became that buffer between the people and that pastor. And that pastor is no longer here. He went home to be with the Lord. That's why I can bring up the example. And he became that buffer to where now they started retaining people. So where are you? What are your skill sets? You see, like we talked last week, you cannot generate the next level or go deeper or create team of teams until you recognize what teams you need to create. Once you've created the weaknesses, this is important now, Because you're asking me the how-tos. Once your weakness is filled, then you want to help the people that you set in order, or actually better, the other way we have it, the way we run it. Your job then is to help them fill their weaknesses. 
So you filled your weaknesses with these people. Now your job as a leader is to train these people how to fill and identify their weaknesses. So what you're doing now is you're creating tiers of people that even though they're not good at everything, which nobody is, nobody's good at everything, is now you're creating tiers of people that now you'll be able to call legacy. Because now, the deeper it is, the deeper the root your teams are, if you die, the church doesn't. I remember um, listening to, and um, I don't know if we showed that this year yet or not, the Juanita Bynum on impartation video. You can find it on YouTube. But uh, her senior pastor, now she was an evangelist, and uh, the son, uh, the, the pastor, and then the son, and then Juanita Bynum was a, uh, an evangelist. And the story goes that the pastor had a stroke. And when the pastor had a stroke, he was unable to be in the pulpit. For many churches, that is the end of the church. But this man had built team of teams. So immediately his son and his spiritual daughter stepped in. They weren't staying there. They weren't taking over. They stepped in and built the house and it grew until the senior pastor was healthy enough to come back behind the pulpit. That's team of teams. But majority of churches and many companies, if the visionary dies, so does the journey. You've got to make a decision in your life. Well, you know, I just like working alone. Well, then you're not a leader. It's okay that you're doing a job, but you're not a leader. As a leader... You must know you have to build teams. So it is this process of identification of your weaknesses, filling your weaknesses with skilled people. What were they doing? Fishing. What did Jesus say? I'll make you fishers of men. They were already skilled fishermen. Then once you get your leaders and you're building them, then you help them by training them to do what I'm training you to build under them. Now here's your next test. If they're unwilling to build under them, then you know you need to replace them. I didn't say get rid of them. This is the new guy. This is them. You now know that they have to have directives. There are people that only respond to a directive that will not grab the bull by the horns and just simply make it happen. And the larger you're building your organization, you cannot afford 
to have people that you need to give directives to every single day. You need to be able to give them the vision and know that they are skilled enough to be able to take it to the next leg. Now, I'm not saying you don't inspect because what you don't inspect, you cannot expect. You must inspect, but you should not have to micromanage them or give them directives every single day. So these are some of the ways that I build teams. Now let's get back to where I started. I started all the way back to where what I do with my staff. On Tuesdays, this is our eighth year. For the last eight years, on almost every Tuesday, when my wife was going through her health issues, and I wasn't here as much, and I apologize for that, but uh, home first. And... But I've been here pretty much eight years. But this isn't just what I do with my staff. I then take another whole morning. And all morning long on Thursdays from 8 a.m. till 11.30 a.m., we're at restaurants. On Monday, I do our campus pastors. Now, because there are so many, on Wednesday, I now do another segment of pastors there. So on Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays, my mornings are wrapped up with my staff, sitting down and eating with them, finding out how they are, how are their families, how can I help, what can I do, how can I build you, how can I love you, and to give them my what? Because if they have skill but don't know your heart, then ultimately, they're just a hired hand. The scripture calls it the difference between a shepherd and a hireling. A hireling is just waiting for a, somebody else's bigger flock opportunity. A shepherd has the heart of a shepherd. Genuinely caring. So all of this, what I do on a consistent basis... I'm only doing for one reason, and that is because I want, my, I want the pastors that I'm working with who have literally taken my weaknesses and made me strong, I want to make sure that they're not only growing with my heart, but if they need something, I'm able to give it to them. Whether it's instruction, whether it's correction, whether it's pushing, prodding, whether it's realignment, you can't know that if you don't spend time with folk. I have found some leaders excommunicating other leaders because of an action. They judged them concerning an action, but never understood the heart. I have found many times that if you understand somebody's heart, even though their actions are twisted... There's grace to be given because it's beyond just an action. You're talking to a person. And you can know whether or not you can develop them out of that or you need to replace them from that. So whenever I'm developing team of teams, it takes time. If you don't want to invest time, 
then know you're shallow and your church will be shallow. Your business will be shallow. And it, over time will end up folding when you die. But if you want legacy, it's going to take time. Talk church. Your first year at the church is your honeymoon. Second year of your church, honeymoon is over. The devils are rising their head. The community doesn't even see you as a stable person in the community until five years. The average stay of a pastor now is four years. So what happens? Nothing. The average stay of a youth pastor is less than a year. The average stay for a worship pastor, I think, is eight months. No way that you can find a children's pastor. They're like nowhere. So the key is not getting somebody who's just going to be short and leave. Why? Because then you have to retrain them. I was talking to uh, Lou, Lou Lanfear, who trained me in business. And um, he said to me, in the company he ran a, uh, he, he was regional manager over a large insurance corporation. Many, 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 multi-hundreds of millions of dollars, the company. And he said, we have to vet these people who want to be insurance agents. We vet them hard because if we hire them, put them through all the training, get them all of their state certifications, and then they quit, it's cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars because it's not just a hire, not just the training, but now we've got to rehire and retrain. So remember, people that are not visionary are always short visioning. They only see the feet in front. And according to the gifts, that's what some people have to be. I want my administrator to see what color toenails somebody has. I want the details, because I don't have any. I don't, I don't have any. People call me, uh, 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 Jen said, uh, you have said it today. You have, you know what I heard? Tomorrow. What I heard was, you have, tomorrow. What did I hear? Yeah. And I said, I don't know what tomorrow is. So I said, call Corinne. Well, she's sitting in the office. That's nice. But all I heard was, uh, 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 uh. I mean, you still know what you're talking about. I had to cut something. Rock solid faith on Thursday. I was doing praying, prayer and fasting what? Content. Oh. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, probably not, but. You're welcome. That was great details. But I just said call Corinne because I don't know what the heck. Because the reason they don't allow me book anymore is because I was booking double and triple people. And people get mad when that happens. When they stand out in the hallway and say, it's my turn. I had, a, I had, a, I had, a, I had an appointment. And so did the other two people. You learn your skills. Learn your weaknesses. Staff your weaknesses, but don't just staff them, prove them. Once you give somebody a position, 
It's very hard to take that position back. In fact, pretty much impossible. Don't hand them out. Grow your team smart. Take the time. Train them. Mature them. Prove them. And then you won't be shallow. You can be deep. So that's how you start building your teams. Say this with me. Time. Your time. Your most valuable time is investing in your leaders, or else you'll always be shallow. So again, one more time, if you um, have not yet taken an emotional quotient uh, assessment, I would strongly encourage you to do that. You can go to my website, uh, empoweringpastors.com, and go up and click the button, take the assessment, and I'll reach out to you with your email, and then we can talk through it. Everyone have a tremendous day. Don't forget we have Empower Summit in the month of March. Uh, we're finalizing our last speaker, but it is going to be a, a tremendous time. That should be up on the website to be able to register by the end of this week. So if you go to empoweringpastors.com, you should be able to register for the Empower Summit coming in the month of March. I hope you have a tremendous day and grow your team, pastors. Grow your team, leaders. Grow your team, business folks so you can have a legacy to leave to your family. Have a great day.